over souls Bearing in depths of my steps Left upon their skulls My timber limbs heavy too loud To hear what heartbeats Use the sound This is Ellie Newman, and you're listening to It's Relationship. Today, our guest is Alex Laws. He's an intuitive consultant and the creator of Rhythmatic Meditation. I want to start our conversation today with a little historical perspective via Wikipedia on the psychic abilities. There's an elaborate system of divination and fortune telling date back to ancient times. Perhaps the most widely known system of early civilization fortune telling was astrology, where practitioners believed the relative positions of celestial bodies could lend insight into people's lives and even predict their future circumstances. Seers formed important functionary roles in early civilization, often serving as advisors, priests, and judges. The role of prophet appeared perennially in ancient cultures. In the mid-19th century, modern spiritualism became prominent in the United States and the United Kingdom. And by the late 20th century, psychics were commonly associated with the New Age culture, and psychic readings and advertising for psychics were very common. Readings were offered for a fee and given in settings such as over the phone, in homes, and at psychic fairs. Alex Laws has an intuitive consulting process that is unique. Harnessing his own abilities as well as working with clients so they can trust their own intuition and guides has brought satisfaction to many. His clients have found business growth, personal growth, and most importantly, balance in their lives. Alex's broad understanding of business issues, family connections, corporate logistics, and even athletic goals has helped form the person he is. He has faced obstacles that he has grown from and prospered from by trusting his intuition and always seeking balance. Welcome, Alex, and thank you for joining us. It's nice to have you here. Thank you so much. It's just great to be here. Alex has a workshop coming up. Would you tell us just a little bit more about your upcoming event? Yeah, the event we're going to do is uh, tapping your intuition. So it is tapping into your own energy and the things that you can do so that you can really trust your own intuition and start believing that the messages that you get, the little whispers, the little voices you get, you need to start listening to. And... I'll do some live readings there. There'll also be some of the people I've worked with who've said they're going to come, and they'd like to tell their own stories. So it'll be interesting. And are you going to be teaching people how to start listening to that voice again? Because I'm guessing after years of ignoring that voice and uh, not paying any attention to it, it might have grown a little more quiet in some. Maybe in some it starts screaming louder. <laughs> you know, it's, it's very interesting. We have a tendency at times to back away from our intuition and not trust it and not believe. Yet we're born with it. It's a sense that every one of us has. And what I have found is that some of the things that I've done since I was a teenage kid and continued in my life have really made it come through very strong for me. And uh, I, uh, those are the things that I teach. And do you think that's a cultural phenomenon? Why, why do you think we tend to not listen to that voice and not pay attention to our intuition? Well, the first thing we do is we go outside of our body. We look just like in relationships. We don't look at how we feel inside. We start instantly going out to our friends and our relatives and our neighbors and asking them how our relationship is. And what happens is, is when you are consistently on a daily basis working on the inside of you, looking inside at what feels a certain way, then you're tapping into your intuition all day, all the time. So what we see is that people, if you will do practices in your life and live a life where you are constantly tapping to that inside, you stop going to the outside. And we live in a society that says, don't believe what you know. You listen to what we're going to tell you. Our government is that way. Local governments are that way. Communities become that way. So we become this doubting person. And I like to look at children um, as just a great example because when you see a young child, they act on their own gut feeling every day. They dance in the rain. They run through the puddles. They, they become this child that they walked onto this earth as this fun and loving, listening individual. And as they get older, we, keep, we start telling them, no, you can't do that. No, you have to believe this religion. No, you need to vote this way. And we start taking all of those things away from them. And we do that on a daily basis. And they become experts as we became experts in it in our life. 
And also, you know, you make me think we also tell kids a lot, you know, you shouldn't feel that. Or we try to get them to ignore that feeling, you know, don't cry, be a man, you know, don't be, don't be a complainer, don't be this, don't be that. There's sort of this norm of behavior that's very narrow as to how you should act and how you should even feel, it seems, in our society. Well, I remember when it was such a phenomenon when we had even the Montessori schools opening up. And I remember visiting one. I was dropping off a, a niece and uh, this is some 17 years ago, 18 years ago, and everybody thought it was so great because they had lace curtains in the school, and the kids could go up and touch the lace in their hands. You know, we don't touch things anymore. We don't feel things anymore until maybe we go to a beach and we walk in the sand. But when was the last time you walked out, well, here in Sun Valley, walk out in the snow barefoot and see what it feels like. Yeah. Walk it in your grass and see what the grass feels like in your feet. And that's what you're talking about. Right, and kids will do that. They'll touch everything, and the first thing you see, you know, don't touch that, don't touch that. But, you know, they'll go, they'll hug a tree. That's right. When was the last time you hugged a tree? Well, you know? I have small kids, so, you know, I follow their lead. It's good. <laughs> that's great. So, Alex, you have 27 years of experience as an entrepreneur and businessman with a, a passion for endurance athletics, and your motto is be authentic, have integrity, be kind, live your best life. You've got a CD, a retirement book, a calendar for retirement. You had a long-running radio show on Rockstar Radio Network, Alex mm -hmm. Law's Radio Hour. So I want to start with you know, exactly sort of what it is you do, and then we'll talk about how you got there. Your um, website says whether it's a room of corporate executives, athletes, or students, Alex has an incredible gift of connecting with the audience and inspiring them to start living a full and inspired life. With uh, relationships, business, family, love life, future life, pets, children, and in-laws. I was funny when I saw the in-laws. I'm wondering if you had in-law issues. <laughs> so you put that in. But, but so what, what exactly are you doing? With well, these events and, and, and uh, participants. You know, I mention all of those things on the site because people come to me from all walks of life. And as an entrepreneur in a family business, I had to really decide whether I was going to step out with this ability and be very public as the vice president and general manager of a, of a large company. At, at one point, we had 158 employees. And um, what happened was I stepped back and was doing this very quietly in my office and I want people to know that it doesn't matter uh, who is looking for their intuitive sense or who is looking for the information. I don't have a problem with any walk of life, and everybody deals with those issues that I talked about. We have, you know, this is a great time to mention the in-laws with the holidays coming up, because so often I see people coming into me who are living outside of their life, outside of their body, in that they're making all of their decisions because their in-laws say they have to do this, and my in-laws say I have to do that, and I say, hold it. You are saying that you're going to do that. You're in charge of you. Well, if I don't do it, and now they start worrying about an outcome, and they start going into a fear mode, and these are the kind of things that come out every day, whether it's the president of a company or someone who's chosen to work out of their home or be a stay-at-home mom or stay-at-home dad. We all have these issues to deal with. And so when I work with people, I tap into the energy that's around them. We tap into the higher consciousness. And I use the word intuition because as you were reading um, – uh, as we started uh, the history of psychics and, and you know there's a lot of woo woo about that and there's it's a real turnoff for a lot of people um, as it was for me to step out that didn't represent who I was and it really didn't represent um, the way I approach this and so were you keeping those two worlds separate at one point your business world and this world of your uh, paying attention and and living by your intuition? Absolutely. I, uh, I, what happened was the two worlds started merging more and more together. And um, with an abrupt change in a family business, it allowed me the opportunity to completely step away and step out. And uh, the consulting I was doing, I did some consulting on business and really realized that the draw for me has been this ability to connect with people's energy and with their higher consciousness. And because I bring all of these other things with me, I understand that information coming to me. So I may sit with somebody at times and you really question the, the messages that are coming through because they make no sense. 
because they're not for me. They're for someone else. You become this conduit of the information. But I really see now a lot of times when I'm working with somebody on business where we're going with that inform, uh, information, which has allowed me to have more of an informative business side as well. Um, and that's helped a lot of people in business. And were you surprised by the results when you allowed those two worlds to merge? Was your reaction from the business community surprising to you that they were willing and maybe eager to embrace it? I was quite surprised how many people were willing to step out and say, you know, this is, this is really how I created my business. And, you know, any entrepreneur built a business with a gut feeling. And th this community here, Sun Valley and Ketchum and, and Bellevue and Haley, is phenomenal because when you walk into a store in this or a restaurant, you're usually meeting the entrepreneur that started you're meeting the individual who put all their hard work into making a thought, an idea, into a business. And what happens as the economy shifts or as we go through slack, some, some areas called it shoulder season, but you start doubting your own gut feelings on, boy, what did we do this year in slack? Maybe the times have just changed. Don't start abandoning those thoughts and feelings you have because you're the one that built that business to where it is and you're the one that can make it through a slack season and enter into a very busy season as we will end into the holidays with the right ideas but don't start questioning and second guessing yourself now so when you're working with business owners is your approach to guide them into listening to their intuition to recognizing it and listening to it and following through with it regardless of the outward circumstances that are, are going on at the time um, as you mean e economic circumstances whatever or? it may be like you said they're, they're checking the spreadsheet they're looking at the data uh, it doesn't seem to be a picture that fits with what their intuition is telling them mm -hmm. at the time well it, it, it's um, it can be different I've ha I've sat down and met with a business person who wanted to wanted me to go through all of the information uh, of their business yet the whole time what I needed them to do uh, I was having messages from a mother that said she's never let go of me so a portion of that business owner was going to work every day missing someone in their life so much that they were not moving completely forward. So if you can imagine you're trying to trying to do your radio show, but 30% of your focus is somewhere else, that would be a problem. And so how do you introduce that information to that person? You know, they wanting you to go through all of their uh, business data and you know in your mind and, and in your soul that this is what's really going on. How do you, with finesse, broach that topic? Well, I... I've been fortunate enough to get names by uh, either full names or I get the first initial of a name, and I'll ask somebody who is an L or. So who. you have cred. <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And so I'll ask them a, a letter of a name often, and they'll say, "Oh, that means nothing to me." And I'll and I write down. I make notes when I talk to someone, and we'll start going through, and they go, "Oh my gosh, that was the guy who worked here last year. That was so good in my business." And I'll go, "Okay, that will start leading me down the road to where we're going." And are you getting a sense? Are you hearing a voice? Are you getting a visual impression? How are the messages coming to you? Um, I get a couple of different things. Uh, one, I, I talk about whispers because we all understand what getting a little whisper is. That's driving down the road and it, you're hearing, just turn left here. Just turn left here. You know, this, this little Take whisper. your umbrella, even though the skies are sunny. Exactly. There's a big difference between that and having this entity living in your body supposedly having a conversation with you then we've got an issue but just like what you said i get that little whisper or i will get a visual i will get a picture um so you, you it comes to you in a variation of senses exactly it's either clairaudient clairvoyant it, um, there's several different description description words that can describe that um, I had a I had a, a client, and, and the stories I tell you of clients are ones that I ask whether I can ever share these is, is um, the reason I tell them. But it was so funny. I, I sat with it for 10 minutes during the reading, and I always remembered this big rubber foot that you'd get for Halloween and put on, and there'd be a big toe like you'd slammed it with a hammer. And I thought, what? Am I losing my mind? This is so far out of whack. And I finally just in a nice way said, you know, I think you need to who's what's with her foot problem? You don't have a foot problem. There's no problem with her foot. You're completely off there. And I said, Okay, no problem. I'm just getting this visual. Yeah. And so we continue to talk and I said, Let me back up a second. You're telling me there's nothing wrong with the foot, okay? What's wrong with the big toe? And she said, Oh, 
Well, she broke her big toe two months ago. There we have And I said, whew, thank you. Now we're on a roll, you know. And so you find these little connects that all of a sudden make, make sense. And um, why would I get that? I, because that's what's coming to me. I mean, you don't know what you're going to get. And so you have to have a lot of trust and confidence Absolutely. in what you're getting to go with it. I was wondering, in your mind, is in intuition different from psychic abilities? Do you consider having and following your intuition different from uh, a psychic ability, or is that interchangeable in your in your? In book? my mind, it's very interchangeable. And and what would you say makes your intuitive consulting process unique? Well, I think that it's really important that when you go to somebody, one that you feel comfortable and that they they're able to relax, and you're able to feel extremely comfortable. And I have an extremely big background in getting to the point in my life where things don't bother me. And when people show up, and if for some reason, and I've never had this happen, but if there was some connection that I didn't have, one, I wouldn't continue on. Because people feel so relaxed with me, and we have so many different uh, commonalities. My endurance athletics attracts a lot of different athletes. My um, background in business attracts business people that normally wouldn't always go to somebody who maybe has a shingle up that says psychic and a, a neon sign out in front of their house. You know, that's not my gig at all. And You're not wearing a muumu. I don't wear a muumu, and I don't, and I don't have a hemp dress on either. So, but I don't have a problem with those that do. I, I work wellness. I've been at wellness for a couple of years. Um, have a great time. I accept everybody for who they are and what they are. So. But there is that, and I don't mean to berate uh, Birkenstocks or muumus. <laughs> Maybe Birkenstocks a little bit. I don't know. Um, but I think there is that stigma to it that. Mm-hmm. That is, you know, and you keep saying woo-woo, and, and you sort of say, okay, well, I want to validate this and respect it, but you don't want that woo-woo part and, and in this day and age. Well, in this day and age, of you know, you want people to know that they can come to you and feel comfortable that um, I'm just another person just like them. And there's people that approach this at all different levels and different ways. This is just the way I approach it. Um, my Again, one of the things I created, which was rhythmic meditation, which right now is exclusively being done at Zenergy, I am taking people in an hour class to do exactly what I do at a very early stage. I've been doing this since I was a teenager. For the years of training in endurance athletics, I found athletics, marathons, triathlons, Ironman races, and the training to do them allowed me to get into my meditation. And was that something you just sort of noticed that after exercising, this was heightened? You talk about achieving higher consciousness through exercises and breaking the energy field through fitness, freeing up your energetic system so you can hear the voice inside. Was that sort of an aha moment? You went for a long run and you're like, oh, wow, that voice is no longer a whisper. It is now a shout or or (laughs) more clear. Well, I I always had uh, that intuition as a kid. I knew somebody was going to call. I knew somebody was going to show up. And fortunately for me, I lived in a household where they said, Go for it. If that's you, then do it. Uh, If you've got a special friend that we can't see, no problem. And so I have two older sisters that are twins, and they've always had the twin connection. One is staying at a friend's house. The other one almost gets in a car wreck, and the other one can't sleep because she feels she's in a car wreck, yet she's been at her friend's house. So our family has always been very open to that. And what I found was through the athletics, it allowed me on those times when maybe I thought I was getting away from it or shutting it out to be in a practice where it just became heightened. It just became more and more and more uh, the ability to to hear. And do you feel that that's because it's a shift in energy or clearing something that was blocking it, which I guess is also a shift in energy, a, a block of energy that's allowing that to open up? Is it tapping into a different place? I believe that all of us are born into this world in a rhythm. Everything about us, even when we are uh, in our mother's womb, there is a rhythm going on while we are developing. It's the mother's movement. It's the heartbeat of the mother until our heartbeat begins. And now we are in a rhythm. And when we're born, we are born right into rhythms. If you look at what we do with children, if you look at how we put them to sleep, I know people that will sit on the, on the spin cycle of a washing machine because it allows their child to go to sleep. I've been... Uh, that is a desperate person. It is a desperate person. <laughs> I've, I've been there. I've seen people drive their child around the block time and time again to put their child to sleep. There's a rhythm of the car into the child, 
And so that's how I found my rhythm. And I said, this is what can work for everyone. We have a rhythm in life, but we don't tap into it because we don't listen to the inside. I said that earlier, that it's about going inside to find your rhythm, not going outside. And And that when we exercise, we are connected with that rhythm more wholly. and, And just watch yourself. If you hike, if you run, if you ride a bike, whatever you do for exercise, if, if you don't even want to believe in what I'm talking about in intuition, just take one, one of your senses, take your sense of touch, your feel, or take your sense of smell after you exercise. They're heightened. Well, the same thing happens with your intuition. And it also puts us a bit in that meditative state that we talk about a lot on the show when you're in your element. So when you're in that place where time sort of slows down or disappears and you're extremely focused and you're completely within yourself while you're completely focused on doing something physical or outside yourself. When you're doing that, you have moved your ego completely out of the way. You don't care anymore. It doesn't matter. Um, you're so engaged. It doesn't matter what others think. It doesn't really matter what, you know, you're not judging it. Right. You're, you're there in that moment. You're in that moment. Or you're, you know, some, some people say that's when they're connected to God. Some people say that's when they're connected to spirit. I say you're connected to your source. That's what works for me. Right. But you have to do whatever works for you. And so you started in corporate and private industries, and then you're sharing your message with the public. You said there was sort of a point that came that led you to make that transition. Was that challenging, or was it just jump now? It's time to jump. I'm getting pushed. I'm jumping. Well, I looked at some of the obstacles in my life that uh, I could have easily folded my tent and said, you know, this is not my turn. Um, and every time I am about to shift to a new level, I've had major things happen in my life. Um, Unsettling things or, abs- or, or nice things? Well, um, <laughs> or a combination. A business had hit a peak for me. I was, I was doing very well at a young age, and I was getting to that burnout point. I had pushed all of this aside. I'd gone into allowing the ego to take over and drive after the money and work more hours, and at the end of the road, there's nothing left of you. So was it frightening when those moments occurred? What was that was very throwing you off your balance there? Yes, but I knew in my heart there was a new plan for me. So that initial shift, I stepped out. I called my cousin, who was a professional golfer, and I said to her, I said, I want to come travel the United States, and I want to do it as a caddy. She said, come on out on the golf tour with us. You can carry my bag. Again, I found a rhythm walking the golf course, going on these professional golf tournaments around the country that year. And then I ran into some people in Canada who said, this is amazing. We just won the pro amateur tournament. We want you to come with us to France, live in our home, live in our chalet. We give you a ski pass. And I said, this is phenomenal. I mean, these are the kind of things that that show up at your door. But if you're not in tune, you allow them to pass by. In tune. And also you got to have some chutzpah, right? You have to be in a place of confidence and trust to say, all right, I'm going to go where I'm being led, although, you know, maybe it doesn't wasn't on my agenda or it's not going to be on my friends or family's agenda as to what they saw as my next move. So you've got to have some some guts to do it. Well, you do. And I think that being a young person who was always allowed to trust my intuition is what helped me in that pivotal time in my life. When I came back from France, uh, I thought I'm going to dive right back into business. And that's when I was diagnosed with cancer. And I, again, I looked at the universe and thought, aha, you gave me all these great things along my lifetime. And now at 23, it's over because that's all I knew that cancer was 25 years ago. If you got cancer, I mean, nobody wanted that. Nobody wants it now. But the bottom line was you take a look at it. And I went into panic mode a little bit. I really, um, I felt that, um, Perhaps this was why I'd had all these wonderful experiences. and I That it was going to be a good but short ride? Exactly. And I'd traveled the world, and it was great. And all that was for me was to get through surgeries and radiations. And within the next year, I ran my first marathon. So it allowed to – I believe it was the universe saying to me, you can get through this, but you've got to shift gears and get back into your meditative state. So my healing out of cancer – was looking at what I thought was a Mount Everest, which was a marathon, running 26 miles. I thought, I'll just, I've got to do one of these while I'm alive. And so I trained that whole next year for this marathon. And now today, 40 marathons later, it became a way of life. 
it became a way of meditation. It became a way to start depending on me, believing in myself. And did you grow up with religion or, or a, a, pra- a spiritual practice? My family was very open um, and allowed us to go to any brand, as I like to call them. I think religions are a brand, and you have to find the one that works for you. Um, the comparison I make with athletes is some of you wear Adidas, some of you wear Nike, and uh, some of you are Jewish and some of you are Catholics. Decide which one inspires you because that's what religion is doing for you. It's inspiring you to be connected with source. And all of them work as long as you're getting out of it what you want to get out of it. So I want to talk a little bit in a few minutes about the athletics and the connection there in a little deeper. But first I want to go into how this all began. So you said when you were a teenager, you would sort of notice that you knew the phone would ring. What what sort of other events were happening and things in your life that were making you aware of this ability? Well, you know, even younger than that, I was just very connected with older people. I was always, even at at nine years old, I would bring neighbors home that didn't live around our house just because I said, you're really a neat person. And this person would come home with me and meet my my mother would say, oh, my God, who here is now? And it kept happening. And because when I looked at somebody, even as a young child, I would say, they just have a neat energy. They have a safe energy about them. And that's one of the things that I encourage parents to watch a lot. The one thing that we pick out of of a, a crowd when we allow a child to walk into the crowd is they find the people they want to be around and they feel the energy they don't want to be around. You know the stranger danger oh, thing right. with children? Why do we stop teaching that as people get older? It's the same thing. Tap into that sense. And I feel that I always had that sense tapped into. They were either good, wholesome person or they weren't. And so that led me to a lot of connections with a lot of different people. And so when you do that at a young age, you do become confident. You do become more confident that I like what I'm doing. I like talking to other people. Um, Of course, we didn't have computers back then. So it was easy not to be lost into a television screen for hours on in on a day. And uh, I think that that allowed me to really get out and be around people. And was there a point when you started to maybe have some discomfort around it? Sort of feel like, again, oh, I don't know if I want to be that person, that psychic fortune teller, that, as you said, the, the woo-woo. Did you have any conflict there with knowing you had this talent and ability and you trusted it and thought it was a good thing, but yet society maybe wasn't painting it that way? Most definitely. And I found that out when I did an article. I I did an article with a a gentleman whose name was Michael. He's since passed on. He was over in Portland, Oregon. And he would sit. He was at a hair salon, which is very common, um, where people would have a small office. And I'd heard about him and his ability. And I went in, and I made an appointment, and I was 17 years old. And And did you just do that on your own? Were your parents supporting you I checked with my mom. They they didn't have him with it. And I went in and met this individual and I'd had other people tell me about him and here's a crystal ball sitting in front of him in a little table and I thought oh god here we go you know it's just so much what I didn't believe you needed but what I found out was that crystal ball was his grandmother's and it inspired him and it inspired him to focus to look inside. And it seems a lot of people that have a strong psychic ability or talent, they'll find something to use as a sort of justifiable source. So maybe they'll go to astrology, maybe they'll go to a crystal ball, maybe they'll go to tarot cards, but something outside of themselves that they can say, all right, this is, I'm reading this, I'm getting my messages from this, rather than sort of saying, yes, it's just coming from me. I have a prayer statue, and I, I do have crystals that have been gifted to me that are beautiful. I really resonate with the smoky citron crystals. Um, I have a St. Christopher's and I have I have a beautiful angel that was carved that my sister gave me as a gift. And, and that inspires me with her energy. And those kind of things uh, I do keep around myself. But when I wrote this article back uh, being 17 years old and a picture of me sitting there with this People went, hey, Alex, I mean, have you lost your mind? And I started to see that even adults would go, well, you know, he's just a teenager. What the heck? He'll get over it. When I was so happy I never got over it. Did you try to shut it down at any point? Did you try to not pay attention to close that door to put up a wall? I backed, I've backed away from it a couple of times in my life, wondering if it would come back. 
Um, I was fortunate enough. Another uh, person who I met about the same time, she's been doing this for over 33 years. Her expertise is actually in missing persons, murders, and rape cases. She works with the police, fire, medical, uh, armies, military. And she has never taken anyone in under her wing. And she offered to take me in under her wing um, several years ago. And and that really validated a lot of what was happening. And she she talked my language. She got what I was talking about. She was, I mean, we've done readings together. Um, it's a, been a, a great kindred experience. spirit and support, which exactly. is, is nice to have in any field, but especially one that maybe isn't as mainstream as some others might be. This is Ellie Newman on its relationship. We're going to take a short break. I'm here with Alex Laws. We're talking about intuition, psychic abilities. We'll be right back. This is Ellie Newman on its relationship, and I'm here with Alex Laws, and we're talking about his intuitive practice and intuitive life and intuitive athletics and many other topics and connected with intuitive abilities. So, Alex, when did you decide to make a career of it? Well, I uh, shifted about five years ago and the business changed and started uh, talking to people more and more in my office at my cycling studio I had. And, and that was in Portland, the Soul Culture Cycling Studio? Right. That was uh, Soul Culture. And then I uh, closed that down and moved over to Idaho. And I'd had a condo up here for 18 years. And um, I have um, a partner and we have a house in Boise. We've had that for 18 years. So I've always done this commuting situation. And the more and more I talked to people, the more and more they said, you just have to be doing this. I, I allowed it to pull me. I didn't push it from the backside. So I feel like as, as the universe brought more people around me um, to pull me into it, it it's just really stepped out. And with the Soul Culture Cycling, it was change your energy, change your business. And so just more and more, you came to see that you had to change your business. Right. I and, had to, I had to be, decide really be to doing step this full time. Yeah. And has that been pretty smooth sailing so far? I, it's like any business. Um, the great thing with computers is that I can Skype and I can do this over the phone um, so you didn't have to be face-to-face with the person in the no, same same no. room. In fact, and was some, that something that you had to groom, or was that initial when you started using the technology? It's just always been. It's just always been that um, if I was talking to someone on the phone, I said, gosh, let me ask you a couple of questions, and I could just tap right in. The one thing I want to say about intuition, and it's very important, whether you come see me or you come see anyone, your intuition is first and foremost. So if you and I went into a session to sit for a half hour, for an hour, and I'm giving you my download, and you're saying in your heart and soul, there's no way, that's wrong, that I know what's right, go with your gut first. Never go to someone else and relinquish all of your energy just because someone told you something. It should be either a confirmation to what you already know or a heads up, and then you just become aware and watch things appear. So uh, how do you square that? So we're sort of talking about intuition and how to use it. Square that with the idea of predetermination and free will. Do you feel that life is sort of predetermined or do you feel that we are creating our own reality and experiences and that we have personal power over that? And how do you sort of balance that with a, an intuition or someone telling you about something that may happen in the future? Do we have power to change that or is it, is it destined? Absolutely, you have power to change it. We live in, an, in a society where people don't always listen to their intuition and sometimes decide to go do something and they lose their life. I had a cousin, phenomenal uh, athlete, um, aerial um, skier, hang glider, did it all. Ended up being a 747 airline pilot. Um, decided to get back into his hang gliding again and bought a new hang glider that went behind a boat and his brother was driving it my other cousin, and he pulled to release from the boat, and he released himself, and he died. And people say, well, there, that was determined. You know what? He was taking a risk. He was putting himself into a risk that once you do that, things happen. And I believe that we live in a society that we, we have an opportunity to take risks, and I also believe accidents do happen. Sometimes it's just an accident. And I've literally had those messages come through from other people that say, I, you got to go on with your life. I'm sorry. It was a total accident. And uh, 
it's it's that theory of of uh, life will flow. Life continues to flow on, and you can decide to take the fork in the road, left or right, and it can be life changing. But if you step back for one moment and just listen to your intuition and think, is this is the right thing to do? I used to tell my niece, who's now 24 years old, I'd say, Maggie, just do this. Just give yourself one minute and listen to your head first when she'd go on a ski trip with friends. And, of course, when they become a teenager, you know, if you're going to go out and do that partying and be with those friends, listen first before you act because that's how we end up changing changing the direction and, and asking does this feel right in the moment the, you know, and again especially as a teenager you have to have the confidence to be able to act on that sense you know you maybe many people get strong messages no it doesn't feel right but for social pressures or whatever sort of peer pressure they don't really have the confidence to act on that those messages and that intuition even though it may be coming in loud and strong I, i'm going to tell you i was just i, I came here today after te- i teach two classes on mondays and i was speaking with some people after class and one of the things that we have done in in the education world is we've made fine Finals now. I mean, we never had finals when I was in high school. Yeah, we had tests and you got grades. But I mean, these kids are intensely working under pressure on finals. And I totally understand that. But what I want to say to these kids is, don't worry about the outcome. Because all the final is, is to decide whether you did the work to get to do the final. The final is your audit. And I talk about that on my CD, and I talk about athletes with that. If you go to run the marathon and you can't get past mile 15, you didn't do the training. You didn't do the program. So if you're a student right now, and they're all going into finals here in the Valley, and you are feeling all of this pressure of the finals, let go of the pressure. If you didn't do the work, you're going to do the very best you can, and you'll do better next time. You'll learn by what that final tells you you did. See, it's allowing that pressure to come off of you and not feeling that pressure. And you have a relationship, number one, with yourself first. You could have the greatest worldwide, as you do, our worldwide relationship right here. And we could have the greatest ideas for people to have two human beings come together in relationships. But if you don't have the relationship inside first, it's never going to be really work. Have that relationship with yourself first. And then you can have that relationship with others. It makes everything in life move a lot better. And with that, you talked a little about about the responsibility that comes with this talent or this ability and, and working with others with it. How has that weighed on you, and how have you come to terms with that? Um, I, I, I definitely use my athletics to let go of that um, because early on it becomes um, it becomes tough at times to listen to see what people are going through. But I have to be able to step back and, as I say, put my bubble up and not allow that energy to come on to me but come up to me. And it is a responsibility if you're going to say that you are going to help others with intuition. And if you're not sure where you're going with something, then you don't say it. If you don't see it clearly, you, you still deliver a message, but you allow the individual you're delivering the message to to make that final decision. And I want to focus a little bit on your relationship with others. In those situations, uh, have you had circumstances where the other person really wants you to take all the, their personal power and sort of guide them and direct them and, and constantly tell them what they should and shouldn't do? And, and how do you deal with that? If you're going to an intuitive or a psychic every week, every month, let me tell you, there's probably something else that you should be doing to develop. And um, maybe it's a therapist. And I refer people to therapists um, if I don't feel they're going down a road, if they're depending on me for that. That's not my job. I am not a therapist. I am not a doctor. And I don't claim to be one. But if somebody feels they need that kind of coaching or needs that kind of uh, services, they need to go find them. And I, I would help them, direct them, to finding somebody who's certified to do that. And you had mentioned earlier that it's your intuition and also getting them to use their intuition. How do you do that? There was a quote from one of your clients, an 80-year-old woman, that had said that you had taught her to open up completely and that that had changed her life at that age. 
How did, how'd you do it? I think that was actually, I want to just correct you. I think it's an 80 year old man. Oh, all right. And, the picture, um, sorry. Picture yeah, is. The, <laughs> like the woman, woman picture I think you're referring to is on my <laughs> website. That's Sister Madonna. It was. Yeah. Sorry about that. She's amazing. He's um, a man. But that gentleman did at 80 years old. It was unbelievable. So often people tell me, you know, that they're still trying to grow up or they're, you know, I don't want my kids to be doing what I've been doing and they're 50 or 60 years old. I said, your kids are going to do what your kids are going to do on this journey. Don't get in their way. And what this gentleman had done is he had not been honest with himself of who he was and what his relationship was with himself. And I sat with him two or three times and we did some walking. I got him walking when he wasn't doing walking. And all of a sudden he started feeling better. He started feeling his senses more and he started connecting with himself. And what I do here in the Valley that's, um, the Sunday rhythmic meditation class is probably the most moving class that I have seen people feel my teaching. And I do that at Sunday at four o'clock at Zenergy. And, and that class fortunately is usually sold out or oversold. It's, it's been a phenomenal tipping point, but I hope to be taking that worldwide. That's, that's what we're going to do. And I do it by teaching them how to do it in rhythm in an athletic situation. All right. So that was sort of my real question, and I was going to focus on a little more. So it's the connection, because I'm thinking there's lots and lots of people, especially in this valley, that are exercising a tremendous amount and not experiencing any sort of spiritual or personal growth. Um, so it's the combination of the exercise with your teachings. And are your teachings, are they individualized? Are they more general? Do you have a, a sort of a pattern from beginning to start when you start working with someone? And are you getting messages on that, on what they need to hear? Or do you have sort of a program on how to lead people to really utilize and hear and understand, follow their intuition? Well, the Sunday class is an hour class, and I start with one intention. We set the intention in the room together as a group. There's 20 people uh, in that class, and I don't even ride the bike anymore. I'm actually moving around the room um, because I've given my bike up so somebody else can have a, a bigger experience. And what uh, I agree with you, there's a lot of people that are hiking and training and racing and doing everything they're doing in this valley, and you'll find the ones that continue to do it for a lifelong process are the ones that tap inside. And that's what I have found with athletes. There's those who live it inside, and there's those that do it on the outside. If you're exercising just so you can look a certain way in the mirror and you are so um, disconnected inside, those are the people that come to my class and have a hard time getting through an hour. And so, so what would you say are the basic sort of elements of creating change, of starting, of course, to first hear and notice your intuition and, and following through on it? What are the roadblocks to keeping people from doing that that you need to teach them to be able to get through just as if you were teaching them to train for an Ironman? They're going to come up upon obstacles during their training that they're going to need to be able to surmount. And how do they do that with uh, training them to use their intuition? We... Uh, we focus on things that a lot of times we hold on to. Um, a lot of people hold on to a grudge for 20 years. And when they come into the class and I'm saying we're going to let go of those things and they start letting go just a little bit every day, eventually they let go of a lot of it. And they realize how much time and effort in their life this grudge with their brother or their sister or blaming their parents or a job or maybe it's a divorce and they took everything from me and I'm left with nothing. You're left with everything. You're left with you. You have all the power. So the key there is really to get them to be completely willing to open up and shed all the blocks that are, are keeping them stuck in wherever they may be stuck. And once they are open and have shed these blocks, they don't really need to do much else other than listen. Listen and continue. You know, the easiest way, because we have rivers around here, for me to, to, to talk to people about this is I say go out in the summer. Take a 90-degree day when you can wander through the river out at the Big Wood, okay? And decide to just lay down in the river and let your feet float down and things just pass on by you. And then decide to stand up in the river and, and allow things to start building up against you. The log that comes along, the leaves that come along, the branches that come along. You're standing in the flow of the universe and you're blocking everything. That's what we let go of. You, you, you go from being that one who stands in the river and holds everything back until the pressure is so much 
you just let it all go. Or you go to your habits of, of drinking, of, of using prescription drugs, of smoking, of whatever, gambling, sex. It doesn't matter. There's all those things that people will tap into that they think is going to make them happy and fix all the problems. And once it wears off, they go back to the roadblock that and they And the had. goal would be to get in the river, dress nice and warmly with your floaty, and go along down and <laughs> steer a little here and there. At least put your request out to the universe as to where you want to go. You got it. It's that simple. This stuff is not all rocket science. Believe me, it is, is, is basic elements of life that we're born with that sometimes we've put ourselves in an environment that we're not, was not really good or we decided to surrender ourselves. Uh, maybe you surrendered yourself in a marriage because you wanted this certain life that you had a vision of. But it didn't allow you to be you. But again, there, I just want to go back to the element of trust because those who have it don't seem to realize the big deal it is for the many that don't have it. And, and what you are either born with or grew up with was a trusting of yourself, your instincts, your sense, and the universe that you could jump in this river of life and trust that you were going to be taken to a pretty nice place or at least the place that you asked to be taken to. And I think there are many, many people in the world that don't have have that basic sense of I can trust that where it's going to take me and that it's going to be a nice place and, and not an, uh, a bad place. You know, if we label things as good and bad, I look at things as opportunities. I look at things as reasons for me to stop and listen. I had a, a reoccurrence of cancer a diagnosis back in 2001 that ended up not being cancer. But what I ended up doing was coming to the realization that it's okay to die. I'm ready to do that if that's the path I'm on. And did that open you up a, a million times more? Life changed huge. It was, it was a major shift in my life again. And I started trusting and loving everything I was doing and loving myself even more and um, finding the love in my relationship even more and being even, you know, who cares if somebody drank all the milk in the refrigerator and it's not there. Who cares if it, you want to go wash the car and, and somebody's parked behind you? There's just nothing that can get in your way. I mean, think of the small things that we make so big. And you're in a unique relationship with the physicalness of the athletics and the fitness with the spiritual element of the connection to the universe and your psychic abilities, which to me is a little atypical from what I've seen. It seems that people tend to be, and of course not everyone, but a lot of people who are focused on the spiritual world and the intuitive world and the connection to maybe what else is here other than this physical reality tend to not be in the physical reality much and maybe out of balance in that way where, you know, they might sit on a, a stoop and be thinking, thinking, thinking they want something to be created in the world, but they're not going to get off the stoop and actually take any physical actions to go with it to create it. There's that old joke about someone talking to God and berating and saying, I believed, I believed, you know, and God's like, look, I sent the boat when the flood happened. You wanted to win the lottery. You didn't buy the ticket. It goes on and on for hours. So you have a unique balance of being physical and in the physical world and yet still connected to the spiritual element. Was that something that you created consciously or was that something you just sort of came with it came with me and, and the message that came with me back in 2001 is that you are going to be the bridge between these two worlds that's never been there before which is when i created um, my consulting company h and h and people go what do you mean h and h here h-e-r-e and here h-e-a-r and when you look at it I, I wrote it out for my aunt who's in her 80s now and she says oh you, you have a bridge between the ah, H's. Wonderful. And I thought, oh, my gosh, there's the message again. Um, that's a whole other show talking about the energies around you and your own angels and all of those things and guides. But the bottom line was I have found this bridge to mix in both worlds, and I absolutely love it. The other thing is is that people often come to me and say, well, you have all of these things, and you don't have to worry about things. Hey, I'm just like you. I cry. I have feelings. I have days that are downers. I have days that are up. We all are there. It's just how we decide to go through them. And I'm practicing every day to share this gift, which allows me to practice on myself. I mean, there's no question in my own household. I've had 
I've had my partner say, well, I wonder what those people on that interview would say if they saw Mr. Unhappy who just spilled all the garbage now, you know, as the bag falls apart. Darn it, what the heck's going on, you know? Well, you could tell him, yeah, but Mr. Unhappy, let that emotion like the river roll over him, expressed it completely so it didn't stop and block the energy, and now has moved past it. Exactly. <laughs> and it, I guess I was meant to slow down. And now down. he's mad at his partner for giving him a hard time about it <laughs> and working through that. Exactly. We're all there. We're all working through it. And, and that's the other part. I don't ever want anyone to look at me and say, I want to do what you're doing. Don't cookie cutter what I do. Do what you're going to do. Don't follow what I do. Because if you do, you'll be imitating me and not being you. So I want to talk a little bit about that. My daughter had asked uh, me when I told her that you were coming on the show if I was going to actually ask you questions or if you would just read my mind and Mm -hmm. answer them. And she wanted me, at least when we go off air, to Mm -hmm. think of something and have you see if you could get it. And I want to talk about historically the acceptance of ESP and the society's attitude toward it. And I was really surprised by the drastic change that had happened fairly recently. In a survey reported in 1990, uh, members of the National Academy of Sciences, only 2% asked, thought that ESP had been scientifically demonstrated and only another 2% thought that the f- they thought that f- happened sometimes. And in the survey in 2005, a Gallup poll They found that 41% polled believed in ESP, and 26% believed in clairvoyance. 30% of those surveys said they believed in telepathy or psychic communication. So that's a drastic change in less than 20 years. And your business has been going sort of throughout that period, at least your experience with it. Have you felt that shift? I've definitely felt that shift in the last year and a half, but I've stepped into it more and more. And what is happening is that people are getting in this position in life that what they're told to go by is not working. And it's not working because people are telling them to do things that don't make sense for anyone. And it's just like I said about the business entrepreneur. I remember in 2008, the banks were doing ridiculous things. Entrepreneurs were going, I don't have any business. Nothing's going on. And the bank is telling me I need to invest in my company and I need to expand. And franchise owners are being told, you know, it's time to remodel. And they're going, this is absolutely crazy. And I said, you're right. Don't listen to them. Don't go down that road. Don't go more in debt. That's what you're telling me. And I'm feeling it. And I think that people were, have been pushed to the limit. I think that you also see those numbers going up. And in North America, you see the trust in our government going down because people are finally stepping back and know that it's not a Republican, Democrat, or independent kind of thing. It's a people, human being thing. And it's, it's um, this phase of we believe the government, we trust the government, we believe – Now it's falling off the other side, and what they're starting to do is come back full circle and say, it really is with me. That the knowledge and the authority and the power is not outside ourselves. We don't have to look beyond. Exactly. Well, that, I think, is a nice place to stop. So, Alex, thank you so much for joining us. It was wonderful to have you. This is Ellie Newman on It's Relationship. KDPI 89.3 FM Catch em. Say done work Waking up Pay me up 9 to 5 5 to 1 1 to 8 30 in the morning Give me 5 more For my me time Pray it works Give me 5 more For my knees time I don't even need rhymes I supply rhythm It's giving equations X's I'm letting the sentence